0: Welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home. My guest today is Veronica Sanchez, who is a dog trainer who specializes in training service dogs and actually now training dog trainers to train service dogs, which is a little bit meta, also very cool. Thanks so much for joining me today, Veronica. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Colleen. So tell us a little bit about the work you do.
1: My focus right now is helping pet dog trainers expand their businesses to support people with disabilities who are training their own dogs for a service work. I myself uh, was a pet dog trainer who offered this as a service. And as the demand for service dogs has really grown, I found that a lot of pet dog trainers really didn't know where to go to learn to be able to offer this service themselves. And so I offer the education to help them do that. Which is really awesome because it is a whole different kind of training.
0: The techniques are the same, but the skills and uses are very different.
1: Right, right. There's a whole lot of different legal aspects to it, the relationship with the client, working with healthcare professionals. So the training itself, the technical skills that positive dog trainers have still apply, of course, but there's just a lot of um, different little ins and outs that are unique to working with service dog owner trainers.
0: Awesome. Okay, so can you tell me what a difficult day – for a service dog trainer might look like? So I think
1: one of the ones, and and this is especially true for pet dog trainers who are working with owner trainers who want people with disabilities who want to train their own service dogs, because this is a unique challenge that they're facing that service dog trainers that work for programs don't face. And one that I hear a lot is somebody's coming to me with a dog that is completely unsuited for service dog work what do I do? One of the things that I remind pet dog trainers is that actually they're really skilled at addressing this because we're doing this all the time. How many times uh, a week are we talking to pet dog owners whose dream for their dog was I'm going to get my dog and I'm going to go to the dog park every day with this dog. And I'm going to, this is going to be the dog that's going to make everyone in the dog park love my dog. We're going to go there with my coffee. It's going to be my daily routine for the foreseeable rest of the time, you know, 10 years or 15 years of my having this dog. And then we're reframing what a reasonable (laughs) goal is for this (laughs) owner. And, you know, they have, you know, and we know this, I mean, it's really their hearts are in this, they have envisioned their social circle around this goal, and suddenly this isn't doable. So actually, I feel like pet dog trainers are really uniquely skilled at helping people appreciate the dog that they have and helping them understand why this is something that their dog might not really enjoy. And that isn't really right for their dog. Mm -hmm. And these are conversations that pet talk trainers are great at doing, and they're difficult to have, they're challenging to have, but they're also really so important. And so I always say like, yeah, this is a really important part of the job because you're helping the owner and you're helping the dog. Because you don't want this dog to end up in a role that it's going to be getting a lot of pressure. That's terrible for the relationship. Right. The owner's going to discover this isn't going to work. And mm-hmm. now, what, my dog's a disappointment for me. So it's, it is something that. And there's also the other aspect to this is that service dogs don't all have to do public access. Some people with disabilities really benefit from having a dog help them at home. So, in some cases, it, it, it is that this dog maybe can't help them in public access, but maybe could help them at home. And so, there are ways of doing that, and of course, doing it in a way that's careful and responsible. So, we, we don't want dogs that are not appropriate for public access to end up right. going there. Absolutely.
0: And that's a lovely lead-in to our theme for the day, which is service. Mm-hmm. So, so what does it mean, just generally, to be of service to you? How would you
1: define that? So, you know what was interesting when you approached me about this and mentioned this word, it was it was funny for me because I have to be honest, it's not my favorite word. It's not even my favorite word when it comes to service dogs. And yeah, it's got like a little bit of a connotation of I don't know. I always think like of the word servitude that sounds like the word service. And um, actually, what's interesting is that in in the in Europe they call them assistance dogs. Mm-hmm. And so when I use the word service dog in my program, and because it's a a legal term, it's service animals, what the the United States law refers to them as, so I don't want there to be confusion. But when I think of service, and whether it's service dogs or a person providing service, I really think of the word assistance, and I think of it as like help, not uh, something where a person is sort of self-sacrificing, we're just helping. So that's kind of where I go with that word.
0: (laughs) And that's a lovely distinction because I think for a lot of pet professionals, their mission is so profound and so deeply felt that it can be a a muddy line between am I beholden to this work? Do I have to do this work? Am I obligated? right versus how can i assist what can i offer and there's an emotional difference there one is draining and and just exhausting and kind of you get resentful after a while and right. the other is more joyous and open and giving have you right. seen that kind of thing with pet professionals
1: yeah and i think that there's so many aspects of it where it gets hard for pet professionals because we do have a sense of, you know, we're making such a difference in this dog's life. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of pressure. And then sometimes I think we, we don't sort of acknowledge the fact that we're not able to control the universe. Yeah. So we can give what, uh, what we can give and then, and then just be like happy with what we gave and, and sometimes the reality of it is that you might not see your impact and you might never know that that person that you spoke to that set up a wall and said they weren't doing that, you might not know how much really sunk in or that maybe it needed to sink in later, especially for a really difficult change. Maybe the person, for whatever reason, the feedback that you got there wasn't, wasn't positive, wasn't wasn't it felt like you didn't get through and then you question oh my gosh have i let this dog down i mean we're really putting a too much i think on ourselves because the reality of it is you think about it like another professional who uh, you know might still be really passionate about their work it is a matter about just thinking of it like you put forth a really good help really great help if that person was going to receive it at that time, that's great. Maybe they'll receive it another time. And and let's go on to the next thing. As long as you've done what your best and what you needed to be doing at that moment, that was good. That was fine. And it's also okay not to always do the perfect. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes the perfect word. (laughs) Right? Like you know, we get to have our off days too. And we're human. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, my prior life, you know, a lot of dog trainers had their prior life.
0: So many of us. Yes.
1: (laughs) I was a public school teacher. So there was a lot of that as well. It was like, oh, you know, and that's a lot because a person's child. And I'm not saying that that's not a really important thing, but, but we can't control everything you know, that's, that's ultimately what it kind of comes down to. And if we've done our our best and planted the seeds, again, I always like to think, you know, you can think, wow, I didn't get through or you can go the other way. I didn't, I didn't see that I didn't get that I got through today, but maybe I got through. You don't know. Or maybe that that'll sink in in a week or a month. Or maybe that's somebody who needs to hear it a couple different times.
0: I think that's really powerful. And I want to, I want to, summarize that and and go a little deeper on it because i think that's a piece that's hard for us because we can't control the world even though we want to and if we don't see the change happen right in the moment right it's really easy to think that there wasn't an effect and right. and what you're saying about you know planting seeds and that might grow later and we right. may never ever know right but it still matters that we planted that seed. Right. How do you think we could get better at acknowledging that element of it, that just showing up and, and doing what I can today, do what you can with what you have, start where you are kind of thought, um, and having that be enough. How could, how could pet professionals grab that and hold that in their hearts?
1: I think sometimes we need to remember that we do it too. So I have a lot of uh, of medical problems myself, and I you know, you know health professionals they're faced with this every day in their communications you know with with people. And I remember one time going into rehab and having an OT say something that I had a reaction to that I, I was an occupational therapist and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so and I, I I remember later on thinking I actually had a training client later and I remember watching the training client do the same thing to me and I remember thinking wow I think I just did that to somebody (laughs) and and um I think we need to remember that sometimes we do it too sometimes we need to hear something and sometimes you know with dog training and whether you are working with service dogs or pets kind of the same thing it, it ultimately sometimes it's not the first time that sometimes, sometimes, sometimes people need to hear things from more than one professional. Yeah. And I mean, and and if we think about this with our own lives, how many times have we had to hear something from more than one professional? I mean, frankly, I have needed to do that for like plumbing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, it's not like the first plumber wasn't reasonable or correct. I really just didn't want to hear that answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, And that's not even an emotionally laden topic. That's just right. more like I didn't want to. And then I might hire the third one just because it was the third one to get to my house, you know, and it's not because the other two weren't right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the first one was actually more highly skilled even, but it just, coincidentally happened that I wasn't ready to hear it until the third one. And now I've had enough of a drainage situation (laughs) that I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and actually listen to the professional advice. So I think that we do it too. I think, and I think maybe sometimes thinking about situations where we do it, maybe just makes it come like, you know what, it's, you know, I guess because we're such experts on our topic, it's, it's, it's really hard for us to look at this and go, how can they not see how anxious yes. their dog is? Yes. I've now given them this list of stress signs, referred to them to YouTube videos, how can they still not see this? And um, we need to remember that you know, this has required a lot of expertise on our parts to get to this point. And we're expecting them to get there in the course of an, an hour. I think
0: that's really true. And I think your plumber example is funny because that's one I often use when we're, we're talking about how can people not see that their dog is stressed. Right. And we see it so clearly. And the thing is that we can't unsee it. Once you know this, you know it. And that will be true of your clients too. But until they know it, They need to learn it gradually. So the example I often use is if a plumber walked into your house and walked around, how many things would make that person go, Oh, Oh, I can't believe they do this with something as, you know, no brainer as plumbing. Like how many, how much do we need to think about plumbing? But I bet if you brought a plumber into your house, there would be opinions. I know what's going on under my kitchen sink would not make a master plumber happy. (laughs) And it's that you have to take a little bit of information and learn from that and apply it to your life and then add the next layer. And sometimes with our clients, we want to put that frosting on top. Like here's the the big part, the overview, here it all is. and And they're still trying to get their layers and figure it out.
1: Right, right. I think it's hard because we're so passionate too mm-hmm. that – we think everybody should be, yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm, and, and I know that, you know, I'm sure that the plumber would wonder, you know, why we don't make this more of a priority because mm-hmm. it's the pipes to our home yeah. <laughs> and the water source. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sure they would think, oh my gosh, you know, why do these, why do they not, you know, but again it's I think we need to I do think that that's a, a large part of it. I think that we get, we get i you know i think i I think it's hard to because we do see um the animal in need mm-hmm. you know and and of course, so we're like oh we we want to we want to fix that right away for yeah. obvious reasons,
0: because they're alive, and our plumbing is not alive so. Right. A pipe that is not happy doesn't really bother most of us, but a dog that is unhappy or a cat that is suffering, that's a problem. Right,
1: right. So it just adds to the emotional intensity of the situation. But we also, I mean, like I said, we do we do this sometimes when it's important too, and we ourselves do this. Like oh, I know absolutely. This all the time. So sometimes I think it, it helps to become aware that, we do this in other situations ourselves and then we can maybe step back a little bit but i i also think that just i think also i know for myself as a as a trainer like my first like i mentioned my first career was a public school teaching and i did this for fun like i did um i started training um it was it was a passion it was a hobby of mine and when it became a career then when What's your downtime? What's your hobby when your hobby, mm-hmm. you know, there's like almost nothing else to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> because now it's like all on, it's like dogs around the clock. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was hard because I needed to find, and that's something that I've done, it worked hard to, is to find other things. Yes. And that is,
0: an area that so many pet professionals struggle with. Like when, when we talk about what do you love that is unrelated to animals, right? And how much time do you spend doing it? There are an incredible number of people who no longer have a passion. They have things they used to do, but it's tough to to find the balance. And it's such a great restorative thing for us to do that. Right. To have interests other
1: than animals. Right. I think it's an I think it's essential. I think we mm-hmm. need to able to take our brains away from that because a lot of us, if we train for a hobby and now we're also doing that on a weekend and we're working, you know, what, you know, we need to, we need to be able to have something else to talk about and also just think about, I think for our brains to break.
0: Yeah. So let's tie that back to the word service here. In what ways does having that external hobby or interest benefit you? How does it serve you to have these other interests?
1: I also, and I think that we should do it for ourselves, for our own well-being, but I actually think it can make us better at our jobs. Mm -hmm. So I think if we're thinking of it as if we are so down that rabbit hole where everything we want to do, we want to do it to benefit the dogs that we work with, I think that it benefits the dogs that we work with. I think it gives us an opportunity to connect with the client because our client isn't only doing this. So then having something else helps us step back a little bit because in our interactions of our other hobby or other interests, we'll be talking to people who don't only, you know, eat, breathe, dream. (laughs) So it's an opportunity to, you know, step back a little bit and then come in feeling refreshed, come in with a little bit, uh, more of a deep breath. I know sometimes with uh, my hobby, one of my hobbies is gardening. And sometimes I'd come up with funky gardening analogies for my clients mm-hmm. who would garden. It just gives us a different opportunity there to do that as well. Yeah. You know, as we're thinking about this too, when I think too about uh, trainers who work with service dog clients specifically, I think that this there's an additional intensity of the importance of thinking of of the person's health mm-hmm. and the dog that adds even more of a reason for that trainer to be taking a step back and uh, making sure they're taking care of themselves and, and keeping perspective and realizing they don't control the universe.
0: Tell me a little bit more about that. I think I know where you're going, but I think there's something really rich here.
1: So there's a where there's a lot put on the dogs for service dogs I mean right now you know when when people think of service dogs they're kind of thinking in two lands of extremes, either they're thinking about people passing their dog up as a pet or they're thinking about these dogs and you know one of the things that th- that's you know they're um you know they talk about how much of an impact they put on the life of the person that they're being trained to help mm-hmm. but there's one of the things that I know I talk to my students about is like as much as possible, sort of keeping things light because we're putting so much pressure on the dog. And and part of this is it's not not to diminish the impact that dogs can have on people with disabilities. But, and I say this as a person with a disability who has benefit from a service dog. Yes, they're very, very valuable. But ultimately, there are also very real other things that are really important too in my health care and well-being, like medical treatments, prescriptions, wheelchairs, there's other things. So having a little bit of perspective and taking you know, a deep breath on this, on this and um, you know, realizing that, yes, service dog, you know now if you're a trainer helping this person train their own dog for service work, you can really be feeling like you're taking a lot on. You're yeah. like, not only Do I have to keep this dog happy? But this person's healthcare needs are now being helped by this dog. And I think that it's important to take a deep breath and and view what you're doing there and saying, you know what? I'm helping this owner trainer there. They've decided that they wanted to train their own dog for service work. And that is something that they have responsibility for. I mean, ultimately our clients have are the ones in control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've decided to make these choices and this is what they're doing, but also just to, to take a deep breath and have perspective about the whole entire big picture. I think this kind of just seems uh, out there, but there's always a new story about somebody pretending their dog, having a dog on a plane. (laughs) It just like, seems like it's constant. And I'm always sort of going like, that's the story on the news. What about the fact that there's no accessible bathrooms on airplanes, mm-hmm. right? So as somebody in a wheelchair who can't walk at all, they literally have to time their water intake for flights, but that's never a news story. It's the, right. <laughs> it's the emotional support animal. And so I think sometimes we need to take a deep breath, like big, big picture. Like there's a, there's a lot going on that um, the world, there's a whole world outside of, of dog-related accommodations too, that impact how people do and help people's quality of lives. And as dog trainers, we have a, a little small piece of that, and and our job is to do the best we can in supporting the client with their decision and giving yeah. the best advice we have, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and you don't yeah planting the seeds, you know. Yeah, we do plant. what you
1: can where you are. Right, it's- right. We can't control the whole the whole universe, and I think there's a lot of. It's a little humbling to to do that that way because we want to feel like our job's important, mm-hmm. sometimes realizing that's not it's sort of- re- relaxing at the same time right mm-hmm. yeah
0: i think that's I think that's a really good perspective on it because the jobs are important, but that doesn't mean that we have to be so tense about them, you know, a right. little bit of levity and a little bit of downtime and outside interests and all of those things are actually gifts that make us better at our jobs not distractions that take away from them and right. that can be a tough thing to keep in mind but it's so true that we are more of service if we can keep that perspective
1: right something that was fun about one of my hobbies in a really strange way was we all know about how dog trainers are and we put a um this is something that I've learned actually working a lot now with the trainers, you know, really highly skilled trainers don't, they're always feeling like they're not as highly skilled as they are a lot of times. They just really discount themselves. But the other thing too, is sometimes like on social media, which a lot of trainers do network that way because some trainers work in a lot of isolation and using social media as a gauge and people will post something and then they'll critique something that's really minor. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like relatively, we're all kind of you know, whatever it might be, you know, uh, some sort of small debate about some technicality. And um, a lot of times we think, well, that's the dog training community. But one of the fun things about one of the hobbies was when I saw this on one of my, because I I like to plant native plants. So Mm -hmm. I joined some social media groups about native plants and oh my gosh, they were horrible to each other. And I remember watching these people, I'm like, oh my, they actually had names that are so bad that I actually can't even, they're terrible. They had names, they would call each other these terrible names because they would disagree uh, really intensely and you could not talk them down about the importance of it you know, about whether somebody would plant a non-native in their garden and, or whether this plant had value or whether it was going to become some invasive species and take over, but they were really, um, so anyway, it was kind of, for me, in a way, seeing that, I'm like, huh, this is what other people would think if they saw some of these other discussions that we have.
0: I uh, know, these are normal human behaviors where we Cluster and then judge, but it also gets worse the more tired and depleted we are. You right. Know, the more right. the more tired, the more depleted we are, the more likely we are to be judgmental and critical of other people and not saying, well, I wouldn't do it that way, but these other pieces of what you've done are awesome and I can learn a lot from that. It's so interesting and just let it go. Right. Uh, that's so hard to do when we're tired. It is.
1: Yeah. It really is.
0: Well, this has been an awesome conversation with you. If people wanted to learn more about you and your work, where could they do that?
1: Uh, my website's probably the best place to start. It's cooperativepaws.com. And I have a free newsletter that pops up. And um, that's, you can sign up there. You can learn more about what I'm doing. And I also do little blogs in there and articles about service dog training.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Veronica. It was really a pleasure talking with you.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Colleen.
0: Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. Are you looking for ways to feel better fast and make it last? Do you want more actionable ideas and strategies? Would you like to connect with other amazing pet professionals who care about helping animals and creating healthy, fun work cultures? If so, you are going to love the Unleashed Resilience community. Visit ColleenPilar.com community for more information.